This week's episode is brought to you by MiceChat.com. Visit MiceChat.com for all the latest theme park news, happenings, and history, and some pretty awesome columns by two guys named Jeff and George. Just saying. Welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And it's it's almost summertime out there. It's getting getting yeah. a little warm. It's getting hot. I wonder if it's hot at Disney World and Disneyland yet. I'm, I mean, I just assume it's hot there all the all time. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. Probably pretty much is because those are in real sunny locations as opposed to the rest of us. Yeah. I mean, you'll be there. I, I will be there. And it'll, it'll yeah. probably be warm when I'm there. It probably will. Forever. Probably will. For the rest of my life. Unless California falls into the ocean. That's true. Then it'll be wet. Then it'll be wet. But that's And okay. the prices of real estate will change. So what is it? The United States of Lex? Or Lutherland? Was, like, was that, I was just going to say, was that a Superman reference? That was, that, it, that was the first Superman movie reference. That was a very good reference, I, I will have to say. <laughs> we have to try it that way. So, well, well speaking of California, I know that we're sort of on the initial planning stages for a major Communicore Weekly event uh, and a little bit over a year from now. Yes, and I know that's way advanced timing, but I know some of you guys are busy, so we're giving you that way advanced timing. Yes, this is going to be like a full week-long event out near Disneyland. Yes, so um, more, more details to follow, I guess we should say. I hope so. Yeah, let's let's stick with that for now, and then we'll, okay. we'll reveal our master plan as soon as we have things set in stone. <laughs> like us, we ever have anything said. Yeah, stuff. like we prepare. Come on, guys. Yeah, like Disney history. It's time for Disney history. Because our friends over at WDW KingdomCast talked about them a couple of weeks ago, we thought we'd shine the spotlight on uh, one of Walt Disney World's water parks for once and talk about Typhoon Lagoon. Now, Typhoon Lagoon was built out of necessity because of Disney's River Country. Um, now, River Country, which opened in June of 1976, was arguably the first completely themed water park ever built in the United States. And that's theme park, meaning it had a concept to tie it all together and not just, hey, here are some water rides, go get wet. <laughs> I like that theme, though. Here you go. Here, I mean, it's a good one. It works on hot days. But yes, there. But... River Country was really, really popular, and unfortunately, it had a limited capacity. And also, after a few years of it opening, there were new regulations for water safety that would have required a really costly rehab to fix, especially since they were using the water um, in, you know, the natural water. In, which, in Bay Lake. Yeah, yeah, a little little gross when you think about it. So, Just a little. Financially and space-wide, it, it just made more sense for Disney to build a brand new water theme park. Now, we haven't done a Did You Know in a long time, but, you know, River Country had a theme song. It, it did have a theme song. Yes. I forgot about that. River Country, good old River Country. It's a, Okay, anyways. So, the, the preliminary designs for the new water park show uh, it showed it being called Splash to show that then-CEO Michael Eisner's his, his love of the film of the same name, much like the case of Splash Mountain being named as such for the same reason. 
Uh, Eisner apparently loved mermaids. And we're moving on. Different concepts for the park were pitched, including one revolving around a beached cruise ship. Uh, another concept was that the park would be situated in Florida, uh, in a Florida swamp. And this tropical wonderland, in quotes, would be filled with dense Florida foliage, dark caves for guests to float through, and audio animatronic alligators. Uh, watch out for Ginger. She snaps. Just like the Jungle Cruise, baby. You know it. Oh, yeah. So, Typhoon Lagoon was conceived eventually, and it actually opened on June 1st, 1989. Um, it was actually part of the massive 1989 expansion of Walt Disney World that also saw the opening of Disney MGM Studios. Um, and of course, there was an elaborate backstory created by the Disney Imagineers to tie the theme of the watermark together. And as the story goes, a furious storm once roared across the sea, catching ships in its path, helpless to flee. Instead of certain and watery doom, the wind swept them here to Typhoon Lagoon. I love rhymes. Rhymes yes. are so much fun. So, they actually, they tied this into the story of the newly built neighbor across the street, Pleasure Island, and the same fictitious storm from 1955, which was known as Hurricane Connie, um, <laughs> that inflicted near-total uh, destruction on the nearby island, which belonging to the descendants of uh, Meriwether Adam Pleasure as well. So those two things are very closely related. The, the typhoon radically changed the small Placid Palms Resort Village. And soon after, uh, an earthquake and volcano eruption followed suit, leaving the community almost in complete ruins. Wow. They're just not Surf having good luck. Yeah, not at all. Surfboards, fishing gear, boats, and other nautical items were flung violently all over the place. Trees toppled not only onto some of the buildings, but into them as well. One old ship tanker was completely overturned, but today guests can walk into it to see sharks and nearly 2,000 fish swimming by in a man-made reef through the portholes. And many species of marine life, some of which were not necessarily native to the area, were deposited in the surrounding waters by the wind and water. Even a pair of jaws from the fictional Sharkus gigantus washed up on the beach. Now, the inhabitants of the Typhoon Lagoon area were very resourceful, and they used their bad fortune to transform Placid Palms into Resort into the Leaning Palms Resort. And, of course, this represents the fact that some of the remaining palm trees were almost completely uprooted and were leaning over. Now, the local residents resourcefully rebuilt their town as best as they could with all the found objects left behind by the storm. So, when guests walk into the park, they can they find it very much, it feels like it's, it's lived in by people. And the story of the park is established even before you get into the parking lot. Signs along the way tell the story of the typhoon in rhyming snippets from when you drive in all the way to the entrance. And the main entrance is made of bits and pieces of ships damaged during the typhoon itself as well. Uh, wheelhouses, cabins were all reformatted into ticket booths with a mast and a sail creating the marquee. And high above the booth is a row of nautical flags that spell out, Welcome to Typhoon Lagoon. On the right-hand side is a sign that is a key to deciphering what letter the alphabet each flag represents. And Imagineers purposefully uh, they designed the entrance so guests would have to follow a, a short winding path up a slight hill before they finally catch a glimpse of the lagoon itself. And this would force the guests to literally walk into the story and discover it piece by piece for themselves. Now, when, when you walk into the water park, eventually you're going to find a souvenir store owned by Singapore Sal. And 
He gets first dibs on anything that washes up on the beach, and he uses a telescope so he can spot all this new treasure. Um, Sal's girlfriend is actually named Typhoon Tilly, who has her own food and beverage location, and the two of them have pretty much cornered the entire tourist market. Um, and Tilly also inspired the name of the main land, one of the main landmarks at Typhoon Lagoon, which you can see if you look high atop Mount Mayday is the Miss Tilly, which is an old shrimp boat out of Safe and Sound, Florida. I love play on words yeah. too. Man, they're so good at that stuff. They were good, very good. Safe and Sound, great name. Um, Miss Tilly is actually a smaller in scale than a real boat. Um, they actually use force perspective to make it look like it's much further away and uh, larger on top of it. So, But as the story goes, the typhoon swept it up and impaled the boat on top of the dangerous volcano where it plugs the opening. And uh, the geothermic pressure underneath the boat builds up and erupts every 30 minutes and it causes steam and water to shoot up about 50 feet in the air above Mount Mayday's peak as the volcano tries to dislodge the ship from the top of it. Um, this was a show element that the Imagineers designed, but the half-hour eruption was also designed for guests to use as, as kind of a watch, if you will, to let them know when a half-hour has passed. So if, you know, if a mom says, come back in a half-hour, you know, when the, when the boat blows up, the kids will, will come back after the boat or, blows up. Or when you need to put more sunscreen on. Exactly, which you need when it's hot outside and the sun's beating on you. <laughs> So, and um, the cool and hardened lava from Mount Mayday's initial eruption during the typhoon, it really, it created the smooth mountain streams that you can actually use as water slides today. Hey, that's always fun. Uh, what, what a nice volcano. Yeah, I know. Hey, Thinking ahead for business. water slides for you all. So, so Typhoon Lagoon is made up uh, from three main styles of architecture. There's an early Key West style, as seen at Leaning Palms, which is seen as being uh, precariously held together in a few spots. A Lagoon Village style can be found in Harbor Village with its thatched roofs and a real roughing it feel. And finally, there's a mixture of using all the assorted debris from the storm to create and repair some of the damaged structures. Imagineers also used real life elements into the design, de the design of the park, such as the water tower at Castaway Creek, which came from the old Fort Wilderness Railroad. Hey. <laughs> When, uh, when a new addition was made to the water park in 2005, Imagineers really worked hard to incorporate it into the existing uh, storyline of the park. So, the Crush and Gusher is supposed to be an old fruit washing and packaging plant that was damaged by the same storm that transformed the rest of Typhoon Lagoon. Um, Tropical Amity brand fruit exporters, uh, your friends from the tropics once boasted that our juices are crushed with flavor, <laughs> our produce is gushing with taste. That's quite a slogan. Yes. <laughs> now, the backstory of the fruit processing plant is why the slides are named the Banana Blaster and the Coconut Crusher and the Pineapple Plunger. Um, today, the broken sign out, out front reads Tropical Calamity instead of Tropical Amity. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually, there's also an old tractor on the roof and conveyor belts that have overgrown by the tropical landscape. And, uh, these days the guests can grab one of the inflatable fruit bins to use as a raft and, uh, use the still existing produce wash shoots for a great new adventure. You know, it, it's a good thing that Typhoon Lagoon was created years before they discovered new fantasy land was being hidden by the villains. It, yeah. Yeah. Cause there's no telling who would have been hit hiding. Well, you know, the crush and Gus has yes. always been there. Exactly. It was just being hid by um, Miss Tilly. I got. Miss I got Tilly. Nothing. I guess. Yeah. yeah sure. I know. We'll I go with like, that. King, King Triton. Sure. Sure. Why not King Triton? Oh, he's good. Ursula. Okay, we'll go with I Ursula. Ursula was hiding. Anyways, uh, notable for the park is the fact that it's home to the world's largest outdoor surf pool, not just a wave pool. 
uh, even for guests who don't like to get wet. There are a ton of things for them to explore at Typhoon Lagoon. Much like every Disney attraction, the park has a rich backstory. Uh, I think we should go next time we're down there. Go where? Magic Kingdom. Oh, sounds good to me. All right, let's go. Awesome. He's a nerd. He's a geek. But we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. The story of Walt Disney World is an interesting part of Walt Disney World history. Is and it I'm now? Talking about, yeah, I'm not talking about the story of Walt Disney World, but I'm actually talking about the book, The Story of Walt Disney World. Oh, okay. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. I, I was a little confused. Weird. So anyway, um, so I've talked to lots of Disney fans, and including an Imagineer or two, that remember becoming obsessed with this book in the late 70s after a trip to the Vacation Kingdom of the World. It, it's a large sort of D-shaped book with a black cover with a cutout in the middle of the cover. And there's a photo of Cinderella's castle peeking out from the cutout. It's kind of cute. And it's one of those books that you would sit and look at for hours, marveling at the photos. There have been numerous editions of this book that were published during the first 10 years of Walt Disney World. After conferring with other collectors, we know that there was an edition published in 1980. So as far as we can tell, they published several of them from 71 until 80. Uh, for collectors, they're, um, they're basically two different editions. The first one ran from 1971 to 1976. And the way to tell is by looking at the almost two-page map in the book. The first one has that amazing Walt Disney World map that we featured in an earlier show and on Mice Chat that's being offered as a reproduction. It's the one that used to hang on the walls of the Contemporary and the Polynesian. The second map in the 1976 to 1980 edition was more of a fun style map with a more caricatured look at the Vacation Kingdom. So, what's so great about this book? Well, it's the second release by the company to promote the Florida property. It's 48 pages, and as the subtitle says, it's a behind the scenes visit to the Vacation Kingdom. And it's, it's actually something that we don't see from Disney any longer. The book is full of construction photos from the Magic Kingdom, the resorts, and the property in general. There's also a lot of text that talks about the history of the property and the initial construction. And I love the photos of Walt, Roy, Card Walker, and Marvin Davis walking around the construction site with that big yellow X on the ground. Um, the, the book is another Imagine Nerding Essential, and it's part of my Walt Disney World book collection. It's one of the very few titles that offer such an amazing look at the construction of Walt Disney World. And, and the book does focus on some of the signature attractions, like the Hall of Presidents and the Country Bear Jamboree, with lots of text on the development of those attractions. Also, with sections called Modular Magic and Construction, Walt Disney World Armada, and How to Build a Castle, how can it not be nothing short of awesome? And it really doesn't matter which version of the book you get. Uh, as I mentioned, the biggest difference is the map that's in there. The rest of it are just amazing construction photos, vacation photos from the, the first couple of years of the park. It's really, really astounding. And the full title of it is The Story of Walt Disney World, A Behind-the-Scenes Visit to the Vacation Kingdom. And I love this one. It's one of my favorites. Sometimes it's a one. Sometimes it's a two. When you gotta go, what you gonna do? It's a bathroom break. A bathroom break.
Trader Sam's is one of the best out of the theme park experiences that you can have while visiting the Disneyland Resort. Um, so much so that it was a nightly go-to for me when I was there back in January. So it's, it's a little small, but it packs a lot of theming into that small area. Um, but the, what we're talking about here are the restrooms, obviously. Now, they're equipped for use by only a single person at a time, but when you walk in there, it's like one of those luxury-sized apartment restrooms in there. It's, it's huge. Um, they could have easily fit like four people in there, but that's, that's <laughs> something for another time. We won't, we won't talk about that. <laughs> so the awesome theming of tra uh, Trader Sam's in general, and it extends into the bathrooms. Um, there is Jungle Cruise concept art on the wall. The, uh, the light um, the, the sconces are actually little tiki's, and the wallpaper is really neat too. So the next time that you order one more Krakatoa than you probably should have, you know, you could be comforted in the fact that there's a, a place for you to visit the little tiki's room for a bathroom break. Very nice. So how, how do you know? Does it have one of those occupied signs on it? Um, no, you, you generally, when you go to the bathroom, you lock the door. Oh, okay, okay, so then you stand outside and shake the handle for two minutes. Yeah, you, you have a jiggle, and then, then you knock. Excuse me, is anyone in here? And then you, you just keep knocking because you can't hear because it's so loud in the bar, so you just assume that someone locked the door and they, you know, close the door behind them, so... And you panic and you have to call the fire department. Yeah, I mean, they have to open it up, and then you realize that somebody's in there, and you're like, oh, God, I'm so sorry, you know, I didn't mm. mean to do this. This and went off in a really every weird night? direction. Well, it was part of, you know, it was one of the, you know how when you order certain drinks, they do certain things? Yeah. Um, there's one drink that you order that, that, where that's what happens. Everybody goes to the bathroom? Yeah, and you get a free souvenir mug. Nice. Very, very nice. So, I'll show you next time. Okay. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. So earlier in the show, I mentioned how there's a row of nautical flags at the entrance of Typhoon Lagoon that, when using a, the nearby key to decipher it, reads, Welcome to Typhoon Lagoon. Well, also nearby is another line of flags. This one, when deciphered, ominously reads, Piranha in Pool. Huh, looks like they may have made their way over from the Jungle Cruise. From Disneyland, because they're not at Walt Disney World. They're not at Walt Disney World, not at all, not at all. That's one crafty piranha. Hey, or, or Piranai? What is the plural? Piranha? Piranhas? Piranis. I'll go with Piranis. Yeah, Piranis sounds good, so. Well. Anyways, thanks so much for watching, listening, and living Communicore Weekly, Ooh. the greatest online show. Very nice, very nice. Yes, yes. Be sure to leave us a comment and rate us on iTunes. Yep, and always email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com, the greatest online email address. Sure, we can go with that. We can do that. Okay, okay. You, you can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash communicorweekly, the greatest online Facebook page. Oh, this is good. This is good. And uh, you can always follow us on Twitter. I'm at Imaginerding, and he's at Jeff Heimbuck. And for Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. Newness. 